Stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. I'll try to be brief this morning. There's two things my wife tells me uh, before I preach. She says, don't preach hard. And she said, be brief. She always tells me that, but she's not here today. <laughs> she fell and broke her leg a couple of weeks ago, so I left her in Atlanta this morning. But uh, what a joy. What a beautiful congregation. We had a great service in the early service. To, uh, on the screen, in John chapter 11, John chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, I want to read a familiar story this morning, but one, a story that I love. And this morning, I want to talk about the glory of God. This is the most difficult day the world we've ever seen. Uh, it's crazy. That's the only way I know how to put it. And I, I get with people who have served the Lord a long time, and they look at me and they go, I've never seen it this way. And, and they say, I'm afraid of even what, what's the future hold? Well, brothers and sisters, we've read the back of the book. We know what the future holds to those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no need to be afraid. We win. We are more than overcomers. We are triumphant in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be, yeah, come on, put your hands together for that this morning. And I know it's a difficult day, but you know what? I'm glad to be alive today. I'm glad to be, I, a couple of things. Number one, I like remote control. I like air conditioning. I love air conditioning. But more than that, I believe that we are going to see the glory of God revealed in the earth like we have never seen it revealed. You know what the enemy does? The enemy always pushes as far as he can push. He just, and he always pushes one little bit too far, and there's a reaction from it from the people. You know, the word says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God would raise up a standard against it. What is the standard that's going to be raised? I'll tell you what it is. It is the church of Jesus Christ. We are the standard that we are to lift up his name in this day. And he's going to use us to do that. He's going to use us to bring glory and honor to his name and let the world know that he is alive. And in this story, he brings glory to his name through his people. Now, the Bible says this, and they put it on the screen, John 11, 1 through 4. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, that's something she would do later in response to what Jesus does in this story. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And the next verse says this, now Jesus loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. Bow your heads. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for the privilege of worship. Thank you for everything that's happened here today. I thank you for this church, his pastor, his staff, and everything that you are doing. And I pray you would help us in these next few moments. Let your word be strong. Let it accomplish the purpose for which it is spoken. 
and we will give you praise and honor in Christ's name. Amen. Now, before you sit down, turn to the person next to you. Say, you look about as good as I think I've seen you look in a while. You can be seated. If you're sitting next to your companion, you can explain that one on the way home. <laughs> I grew up in a little Pentecostal church in the mountains of South Carolina where my dad pastored and my brother and I grew up. It was nothing like this. It was a little bit shotgun church and pews on each side and two amen corners on, on the side. And, and uh, they, they gathered before church, and I'm telling you, man, they would pray. And when they come out, it was on, brother. I mean, it was on. We had good, good demonstrative worship. And I see some, I see some seasoned saints shaking their head, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. And in those days, in the Renaissance period of time, when I was growing up, they, they talked back to you when you preached. And if they heard something they liked, they'd say, amen. I got that. I understand that. Every now and then, they would use the word glory. Some of them would, would just would drag it out in that southern bro glory. <clears throat> if they were really excited, they'd go, what glory? I didn't really understand what that meant. And, and I don't care how people respond. If you want to respond like that, I'm good with it. I can go with it. Today we, we clap our hands, and that's an expression of response. And there's nothing wrong with any of it. I just have one rule. Do something. Just don't sit there and look at me. Just do something. Don't, don't let me die up here, okay? But that word glory, here, here's where I am in my life. There's more road behind me than in front of me. And I'm so thankful for things that God has allowed me to be a part of. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I'm honored. But there's something in my heart and in my life there's something that's been stirring inside my heart for a long time now. And when I go to my place to pray, I say, Lord, please tell me that I haven't experienced all of you that there is. Please tell me there's more of you. There, there's more to do for your kingdom. And to this point, the Lord just hasn't really, I haven't heard an audible voice, nothing like that. But there's just this unrest there's just something that I know that he is stirring me for. Because here's what I believe. I believe the greatest days of my life are yet to come. I believe the end is going to, the latter is going to be greater than the beginning. God knows my end from my beginning. And even though I work forward to the end, God has already orchestrated my life. He started from the end and worked back this way. I see things in my life now that God has allowed me to be a part of that, that's working right now, today. Things that, unbelievable strategic things that he's doing in his kingdom that he set up 35 and 40 years ago that I had no idea what he's doing. So I believe today there's going to be a greater manifestation of the glory, the presence of God than there ever has been. But if somebody were to ask you today, what is it, what does the glory of God mean? What would you say? How has the glory of God been revealed in your life? What does it even mean? 
If we went back and we looked at uh, the definition of it, I went back and looked at Webster's definition of the word glory. Here's what he said. He said, it denotes the manifestation of God's presence. It is the splendor. It is the brightness. It is the excellence of God. Now, the Jews came to call it the Shekinah glory. It was glory they could see. And the Bible says that it led them with a cloud by day and fire by night. Moses come to a point in his life, Moses had seen some incredible things. And we know that verse of Scripture where he says, Lord, show me your glory. Now, when we hear that, we think, okay, yeah, well, God did. He, he did reveal his glory to him. But when Moses said that, Moses has already seen some unbelievable things. When Moses said that, he'd already seen a burning bush that wasn't consumed. He had already seen and walked into Pharaoh 10 times, and Pharaoh would not let the people of God go. And he had seen the manifestation of God's presence to Pharaoh, supernatural stuff. He saw the Red Sea part, and he walked across on dry ground, turned around, and saw his enemy swallowed up by those same waters that he had walked across on dry ground. He'd seen some unbelievable things, but that was not enough. He was still saying, Lord, I've seen those things, but I want to see you. I want to see your presence. Show me you. You know, here's the reward for seeking after the glory of God. It's God himself. It's not so much supernatural manifestations of stuff. Oh, that'll come. But the reward is the presence of God in our hearts and in our life. That's as great as it's ever going to get, brothers and sisters. And I don't know where you are this morning, but I'm at that place where I say, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want you. I want the weight of your presence to crown my life when I walk into a room. I want people to know. I want the perception about my life to be what it was about the disciples. They were unlearned, uneducated men, but they said about them, they have been with Jesus. That when we walk into a room, the aroma of the room fills with the presence of God. And you know what? Our world is hungry for that. So the glory, when I begin to look at that, it's the manifestation of the presence of God. How has he already done that? Well, I, I look back in Scripture, and I see that his glory has been revealed in creation. Believe it or not, yesterday in all the rain, that was his glory coming down. You know what? In August, we're going to want a little bit of that rain. We're going to want a little bit of that water coming down. But we look in the Scripture, and the Bible said the heavens declare the glory of God. We're discovering galaxies. We're discovering solar systems now that we never knew existed. But you know what the Bible says in the very beginning? That God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, hovered over the waters. Now, I always wondered. It said the earth was without form and void. One translation is this. The earth was chaotic. Chaos. But something began to happen. Now, the question is, was it in the mind of God for all the galaxies and solar systems to be there in divine order? He is a God of divine order. 
Was it in the mind of God for the earth to be like it is today and ro rotate around the sun in a 365-day orbit? And while it was orbiting around the sun, that it would spin on its axis and right now would be tilted toward the sun and we would have summer. But in Sydney, Australia, they're having winter. Was all of that in the mind of God? Oh, yes, it is. When did it change from chaos to divine order? It happened when God began to speak to the chaos. The Bible says, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be a sun. And when God spoke the word for the sun and he put it where it is, it hasn't moved one degree since God put it there and told it to stay there. If the sun moved one degree towards us, we'd burn up. If it moved one degree away from us, we would freeze to death. But everything in the universe is held together by the the power of his word. He's a great and a mighty God today. He created it all. Then we see the manifestation of the glory of God in his son, Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. We saw the manifestation of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. We saw that when a 14-year-old teenage virgin who never knew a man, the Holy Spirit came upon her and she gave birth to the Messiah. We watched Jesus as he walked into the temple. We watched him as he healed people, as he changed people's life. But the greatest demonstration of the glory of God in Jesus Christ was at the crucifixion and at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, growing up, when I'd hear my dad preach on Easter Sunday and Palm Sunday, I always used to just think in my mind on Palm Sunday, just, just thinking, I thought, now, why did the devil do that? Did you ever think that? Now, it's Palm Sunday. They're going to crucify him on Friday. And next Sunday, he's going to rise again. Why would the devil do that? He knows next Sunday, he's going to be... Why would he crucify Jesus? Did he not hear the prophecies? Oh, he heard every prophecy. He never left the Son of God. He heard him say, no man's going to take my life from me, but I'm willingly going to lay it down. But this temple will rise again on the third day. He heard it, but he didn't understand it. Later on in my life, I found 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 that says these words from the Apostle Paul. He said, we talk about, he talks about the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom of God in a mystery, that, these words, if the rulers of this age had known it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Here's what that is saying. The word known, if the rulers of this age knew that word means revelation. It means understanding. That if Satan had understood and had the revelation that when he whipped the back of Jesus, 
that you and I were being healed, he never would have done it. If he'd had the revelation that when he placed him on a cross and put a crown of thorns upon his head, that he was taking my sin and your sin and the sin of all mankind to the cross, he never would have done it. If he'd had the revelation that when he placed him in a tomb, that three days later he was going to rise again with the keys of death, hell, and the grave and destroy every work of the enemy. He, Jesus, destroyed every principality. He destroyed every power. He made a show of the enemy openly. I know it's a dark day. I know we're dealing with things the world has never seen. But let me tell you today, the blood of Jesus has destroyed every one of them. We have victory today in Jesus Christ. We don't have to be afraid of the culture. We don't have to run from the culture. We have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Put your hands together today. You say, okay, I'm with you. I see the glory in creation. I see glory in Jesus. But how does he do it in my life? New Testament word for glory is doxia, which means it's how the Holy Spirit is, brings the reputation of Jesus through our life. It's how Jesus is revealed through us. And in this story, the Bible says there were three people who had a great relationship with Jesus. They were friends. Now, not everybody that hits your, sends you a friend request on Facebook is your friend. They just want to know your business. They want to know who you're eating a hamburger with. What you doing? Where you been? What's going on? You know, I don't, I don't get, you know, I, I know I sound like I just got off the ark yesterday afternoon. I get Facebook as a communication tool and sharing, all that kind of stuff. I, I generally just, just don't do the Facebook thing. Um, I, just, I, I don't care who you're eating a hamburger with. It, it just doesn't matter in the big scope of life. So how I handle that is just very simply delete. And then to my mind, I say these words, nunya. <laughs> you with me on that one, aren't you? Okay. I have a few friends. And in this story, like, you know, if I were to get the word today, like, like Lazarus was sent to Jesus, the word to Jesus about Lazarus, that he was dying. As soon as the church service was over, I'd get in my vehicle, I'd get to where they were. Now, there's just a few of them. You can count them on one hand. But the Bible says they were very close friends. And Jesus is off in another town ministering. They sent word to him that Lazarus, his friend, is sick. He's going to die. But the Bible says Jesus stayed where he was. And he says to them, he's going to die, but this sickness is not to death before the glory of God. And then later on, by the time he gets there, he said, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sake that I was not here. I was glad for your sake that I didn't come when you wanted me to come. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've asked the Lord, answer a prayer, and I'm an impatient kind of fella. I've got the patience of a fire ant in August. I want an answer, and I want it right then. And God has helped me with that. 
He's just letting me just wade right through it. Let me tell you something. The only reason God doesn't come and deliver you out of it is because he can get more glory letting you walk through it than deliver you out of it. And I've had to learn that in my life. David said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. It was good for me that I walked through this. It was in those times that you proved the word of the Lord. It is in those times that your faith is increased. We say, oh, Lord, give me more of your anointing. How are you going to handle more anointing? Your capacity has to be enlarged. It is when you walk through difficult times that your capacity is enlarged, that at the end of it, you're speaking to spirits and powers that you would never be able to speak to had you not walked through that time in your life. So by the time they get there, here, here, here's the characters. Here's Martha, though. Martha's a type A personality. She'd have been out there. She'd, she'd have been in the room today. She'd been doing everything. She'd have greeted everybody. She'd have cooked all the meals for the staff. She'd have been on the praise team. She'd have cleaned the building. She'd have been here at 1 o'clock with Serve Pro, making sure everything's going on. She works a full-time job. The house is always clean. She's all that in a bag of chips, and she's the kind of person that you just kind of like to hate. You get the picture now? And so by the time she gets there, she runs to where Jesus is. And I just, in my mind, I can just see her running down the road, heads out the back door, the screen door slams. She's running. Now, Jesus, where have you been? We sent for you four days ago. But what did you do? No, you stayed where you were. Why did you do this? He was your friend. You let him die. And what does Jesus say? He says, Martha. Don't you know that I'm the resurrection and the life? Now, hang on. Because here's the response. She says to him, Lord, yes, I know that. I know that he will rise again on that day. I know there's coming a resurrection day when all the dead in Christ are going to rise. Where did she get that? She didn't get it reading it off the screen. She didn't get it from reading the NIV because it wasn't even printed. She got those words from the mouth of Jesus himself. She heard him say it, but listen, she didn't get the full revelation of it. She doubted that the Lord Jesus Christ could intervene in her life right then. And so what happens is Jesus says, I'm going to stay where I'm at because there's going to be a greater revelation going to be revealed because I'm going to come to Martha and I'm going to expose her doubt that I can do it right now. So then let's go to the other character. Let's go to Mary. Her biggest problem was Martha was her sister. <laughs> and Mary's just an introverted kind of person. She's quiet. And Jesus coming down the road, Martha, she flies off where he is. But Mary's just sitting there. She's sitting there in her grief and in her fear. She's afraid of the situation. And she cannot even go to where he is. Only when Jesus says, where's Mary? Tell her that I'm here. Does she get up and go to where he is? You see, I believe these two people are a picture of where the church, the general church in America and in the world is right now. On one side, we've got a group of people in the church quoting scripture that we don't even believe in anymore. 
Oh, we quote the scripture. We've heard it, but there's no revelation inside. There's no, re there's, there's no real life to the words. We just quote the words. Oh, we know it happened in 1970. It might have happened in 1980, but this is 2019. We're not too sure about this. And then on the other side, we're so afraid. We're bound by our fear. We're afraid of the culture. We're afraid of every movement that's taking place right now. And what Jesus comes to do is to confront the doubt of the scripture and to, doubt, and to confront the fear that's in our hearts. Here's what he says. Take me to the place where you laid him. I think that's so important. Because what they did, of course, they buried him. And what they did was they rolled a stone over it. And I think it's very important what the Lord said. He said, take me to the place where you laid him. And when they got over there, he says, now roll the stone away. Now, let me ask you a question. Could not the Son of God have just come to the tomb and just spoke the word, Lazarus, come forth without ever moving the stone and Lazarus come back to life? Of course he could. And they could have rolled the stone away after he spoke life. And logically, that seems even, even more logical. Okay, we got to move the thing now because somebody over there is alive. But what he said was, no, you move it now. Here's what I believe he's saying. You take me to the place that you quit believing that I could intervene in your situation. You take me to the place that you gave up on your kid, that you gave up on your teenager, that you gave up on your health, that you gave up on your finances. You take me where you quit believing. Roll the stone away. And you know the words. Jesus spoke the words and Lazarus comes out of there. But here's what I want you to see. And we, we, can, we can preach there a long time, but that's not the message today. I want you to see what happens after that. The Bible says they go back to the house and they're doing what they do best with him. They're hanging out, they're eating. And the Bible says this, that a lot of people came to see Jesus, but more people came to see Lazarus. They came to see the manifestation of the glory of God that was revealed. And it says even so much so that, that the religious crowd, those who were religious, the scribes and Pharisees, they were always looking for something to find fault with him. Let me tell you something. Religion will always find fault and try to kill a move of God. Religion is just one of the worst things that you can be exposed to. There is no life. There is no joy. But I say get religion out and get relationship in. Something that is alive in Jesus Christ. But look what happened in their lives. Martha's back out in the kitchen doing what she does best, cooking. And she's over there and where she had been fussing with people because they, they weren't doing what she was doing, help, help, helping out in the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. And before she would be in the kitchen, before this happened, she would be in there saying scripture, doing her task. Oh, he's the resurrection and the life. Oh, bless his name. Hallelujah. There was nothing on the inside. They were just hollow scriptures with no life.
But now she's in the kitchen cooking one of the greatest southern meals that you'll ever eat in your life. Fried chicken, fried okra, kernel corn, fresh tomatoes, peach cobbler with Mayfield ice cream on top. <laughs> and somebody say amen or well glory or something. Okay, good. But now she looks in the room and sees her brother. And she remembers him being in the tomb. She remembers the doubt of her, of her heart. And Jesus comes and confronts her. Now she sees him. Now, though, she says, oh, I know that he's the resurrection and the life. My brother that was dead, he is now alive. He confronted her doubt. The doubt was now gone. She knew that there was more than a resurrection on that day. She knew there was a resurrection today, and there was joy in her heart, joy in her life. Brothers and sisters, when we walk out the door, we got to have something on the inside that is alive. The Bible says, be ready to give to every man that would ask you a reason of the hope that is in you. I'm not talking to you this morning about something that I read about. I've, I've, I've been in church all my life, studied the scriptures as best that I could. But there have been times in my life when I have gone over and rolled a stone over a situation. And the enemy would tell me it's never going to come back to life. It's too deep. It's been too long. You can't figure it out. Now, I'm a type A personality like Martha. I, I, my job is to fix a lot of stuff. I, and, and there are times when the Lord has allowed me to, to walk through some stuff that I tried to fix in my own flesh. And you know what? It never worked. He just let me get to the end of it and exhaust myself. All my strategies, all my plans, failure. But what he did do was allow me to go to my place of prayer and say, Lord, I know what this book says. You said that I was the head and not the tail. You said that no weapon formed against me would ever prosper. You said that whosoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and doubt not in his heart. To him it would be done. Whatsoever things we desire when we pray, believe and we shall have them. Only to see at his time when I had exhausted myself for him to speak the words of life and what I thought was dead come back to life. So I stand here today, not something that I've read about, not somebody else's testimony, but I'm here to tell you today that he is the resurrection and the life. He will call it forth for his name's sake. And then there's Mary. She's sitting always at his feet and I can just see her. Martha's cooking the meal and here's Mary sitting there. When suddenly she jumps up and runs back into her room, picks up a box, comes back with a bottle of perfume. Spikenard, it's perfume, precious oil. The Bible says it was worth about a year's wages. This just wasn't some cheap bottle of perfume from Macy's. 
Not, not even a $100 bottle of perfume from Nordstrom or anywhere else. It was worth a year's worth. Take your W-2 form and put it in a bottle of perfume. Would that not be precious to you? That would be valuable. But you know what? She got to thinking about her situation. She was wrapped in her fear, bound in her fear. She remembered the long walk to the tomb, but she remembered the Lord Jesus Christ speaking the words of life and commanding her brother to come to life. And now he is sitting there and, she, and Jesus is sitting there. And what did she do? She was so grateful. She broke the perfume. She poured it on the Lord, ministering to him, anointing his body and the fragrance of her worship it filled all of the room brothers and sisters if you've ever had Jesus bring something back to life that you thought was dead there is nothing you have that he is not worthy of you'll bring it to him you'll break it before him and the fragrance of worship will fill all of the room that's the beautiful thing about our worship we are to be a fragrance in demonstrating the glory of God to a hurting world. There's enough negative people. There's enough down stuff that we have to listen to, the downside of life. But we are salt and light, and we are the revelation of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working in us and working through us. And what does it do? It brings glory to Jesus. You don't know how many phone calls I get now from people. And they will say to me, I was told to call you that you would understand what I'm dealing with. I would say, yes, I do. And it wasn't a strategy that I could tell them that I had. But I would just simply say, this book is everything that he said it was. Jesus is the resurrection, and the life. And what it will do, it will bring honor and glory to his name. Would you stand, please? Everybody bow your heads right now, please. Now, Father, I thank you this morning for the privilege of worship. Thank you for this beautiful congregation and these people of God that are here. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this house, the staff, the leadership, pastor, everything. And I pray this morning as your word has gone forward, if there's someone here, whatever it is they brought in this morning, whatever chaos that they are dealing with, Lord, we know that your Holy Spirit is hovering over it. You are there. And maybe they've just given up and accepted the fact that that's just the way it is. And that's the way the enemy likes to talk to us. But the Holy Spirit this morning, faith has arisen in their hearts and in their life for them to move back in there and roll the stone back away from it. And to begin to prophetically speak the words of your words of Scripture to their dead situation. Because, Lord, we know that not only are you the resurrection and the life of our bodies, you're the resurrection and the life of our souls. And what you want to do is you want to draw men and women to you and what the enemy meant for our evil, for our destruction. Somehow, Lord, and only you can do it. You turn it around for our good. 
And not only that, that we can be a testimony to those around us. There is a healer. There is a restorer. You are, you, you are Lord, and there is nothing you cannot do. And right now, Lord, I pray you would touch your people. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You would say with me this morning, there's a situation in my life. I rolled a stone over it. I just quit. I just gave up. I don't know what it is. But the Holy Spirit's been prompting you while this word is going forth for you to walk back over and symbolically to your stone and roll it back away and to begin speaking prophetically words to it for it to come back to life. Raise your hand right where you're standing. Come on. Come on. Come on. Raise it up real quick. Raise it up quick. Yes. Come on. Raise it up. Put it back down. Here's what I'm asking you to do right now. I didn't do this in early service. But if you raised your hand and you believe this morning, listen, the reason you raised your hand is because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is encouraging you to move back in in warfare. And that's what it is. It's warfare. And for you to use the creative power of your words, which is the power of Jesus Christ, and to allow the Holy Spirit to operate and watch this situation that you thought was dead come back to life. The Holy Spirit's prompting you in that this morning. You raise your hand, get out of your seat, come and stand right now in Jesus' name. Prayer team's coming. Come on, right now. Come on. The king's business requires haste. The king's business requires haste. Come on, right now in Jesus' name. 